choose, choose joy. Hello? Mike, you get to choose. What are you going to choose? Joy. Sherry, what are you going to choose? Susie, what are you going to choose? Come on, that's right. I knew I'd get a joy out of her. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on. You know, uh, our, our, our catchphrase for the month of joy is celebrate life. It's contagious. And it is when you celebrate, people want to party with you. But, you know, if you're just sitting there with your face all down all the time, most people don't want a piece of that. You know what I'm saying? They're like, you can keep that. You can keep that. It's like, does that kind of Christianity come with a rebate? Because I'd like mine. But, you know, uh, instead, the Bible says we're to be filled with joy. Amen? So, amen. I want to continue talking about the theme of joy because we should have joy 24-7, 365 days of the year, not just at Christmas. Why? Because we serve a God of joy. If you read through the Bible, do you know that the, the Bible references joy over 200 times? If something's in the Bible 200 times, how many know it's important? Right? It's important. If it's in there 200 plus times, it's got to be important. I want to read you some verses just from the book of Psalms. This is just from the book of Psalms. I just took that one, and I want to read you just a few verses about joy. So I'm going to read them quick. All right, I could have been an auctioneer in a, another life, so here's the way it works. You know, if I'd have chose that career, it would have worked for me too. I can read fast. But here we go. Uh, Psalm 511 says, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them sing, ever sing for joy. Uh, Psalm 1611, You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 19.8, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Hallelujah. Psalm 27, verse 6, then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle I will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Psalm 28.7, Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in song. Psalm 30 verse 11, you turn my waiting into dancing and remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. Hallelujah. Psalm 47 verse 1, clap your hands all you nations. Shout to the Lord. Lord with cries of joy. Psalm 47, 5, God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid the surrounding of uh, sounding of trumpets. Maybe we need to get some trumpets in here. I don't know. It's scriptural. Psalm 47, verse 5. Psalm 66, verse 1, with the sh uh, shout, the wit shout with joy to God all the earth. Psalm 67, 4. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. Psalm 81, 1. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of Jacob. Psalm 94, verse 19, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Psalm 98, verse 4, for shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth burst into jubilant song with music. And Psalm 126, verse 3 says, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Now that is just a sample of the stuff that uh, the Bible has to say about joy. I didn't even start speaking about the numerous times it uses the phrase, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. It's in the scripture over and over and over again. In other words, if you haven't got joy, if you aren't walking in joy, you're not doing your Christianity right. You need a, an alteration. You need an adjustment, kind of like going to a chiropractor, you know? You're, you're walking like this crooked for a few days. You get in there and, 
and they do something, you go, oh, that feels better. Well, when we're not walking in joy, we need a Holy Spirit chiropractic adjustment so that we begin to walk in the joy of the Lord. When I pastored my first church, true story, pastored my first church, I was a youth pastor in Shawville, Quebec. It was many years ago, many, many years ago. And uh, at one of our ministerial meetings, we discussed as, as pastors that for the local seniors' residents, we had multiple, every you know, church would come in with a songbook. So you'd have your hymns that were there at the place. We'd come in with their songbooks, right? And we said it's very confusing for the residents in the seniors' home to always, you know, each week be singing out of a different songbook. So we decided we would make one songbook that the whole ministerial would use, and we'd all contribute songs to it, Right. And so they were going through an older version of that and looking at it, and we'd gotten away from that, and now we needed to redo it. And, and this one cranky old minister from one of the uh, uh, older churches in town, he said, you know, we just need to get rid of at least half of the stuff in this songbook. He said, it's ridiculous. And I said, oh, really? And he goes, like, like take this one, for example. He said, joy unspeakable and full of glory. What kind of nonsense is that? Where do you get that from, Right? And one of the other pastors had been there a little longer than me. He said, well, well, you might want to ask the Apostle Peter that because he's the one that said it. You know? Uh, and the guy was like, pardon? He goes, he goes, yeah, joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's right out of the scripture, 1 Peter 1.8. And Peter says it to those who believe even though they have not had seen with their eyes the resurrected Lord. Then Peter said to them, that, and he blessed them, and he said, you will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's right out of the word right? Come on. C.S. Lewis understood something of the nature of joy, and he shared, I know it, you're surprised, right? And, uh, and, and listen to this. This is what he had to say. Uh, he said, while we are in this valley of tears, cursed with labor, hemmed round with necessities, tripped up with frustrations, doomed to, perpet to perpetual plannings, puzzlings, and anxieties, certain qualities that must belong to the heavenly eternal condition have no chance to get through. They can't, they can project no image of themselves, except in activities which for us here seem frivolous. Dance and game are frivolous, unimportant down here. For down here, it's not their natural place. Here they are uh, a moment's rest from the life we're placed here to live. But in this world, everything's upside down. That which, if it could be prolonged here, would be uh, an annoyance, something to uh, avoid, is most like that which is better uh, in a better country is the end of ends. And then he said this, joy is the serious business of heaven. I like that. Joy is the serious business of heaven. In other words, what he's trying to say is that, you know, worship and things like that. I hear people say, it's just, you know, you guys get into your worship. It's just so frivolous. You're right. And it seems frivolous to us here because we're, in our mind, we're thinking about the, the turkey or the roast we got in the oven. And we're thinking about the, the you know, how we, how we had to couldn't find half the kids' socks and clothes this morning when we're getting them ready for church. And we're thinking about our, you know, our, our RSP contributions and did I get this done and how many things I still have to get for Christmas and all this stuff we got going around our head. And then we come in and, and the pastor says, stand up and worship the Lord. And we're like, I got a million things to do, right? And, and, and then, you know, the pastor starts doing a Holy Spirit jigging. You say, oh my goodness, he looks ridiculous up there. And all the things that we look at and we say, it's so frivolous. But these are the things of heaven. And one day you're going to stand in the presence of God and you're going to be so overwhelmed and you're going to be shouting with joy and you're going to be dancing in his presence. And it's not going to be frivolous anymore. Amen. 
because things are upside down here. We get worried about all the stuff that really doesn't matter. To dance in the presence of the Lord, that's eternal. To worry about the roast in your oven is not. You love good roasts, you love bad roasts, but they're not eternal. Right? Eat a roast today, gone tomorrow. Do you know what I'm saying? Are you getting me this morning? That's why the Bible says, in Jesus' prayer, right? Jesus prayed, he taught the disciples how to, how to pray, right? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What was the next phrase that he said? On earth as it is in heaven. It is the mission, the assignment of the believer to bring the joy of heaven to earth. That's your assignment. So that our walk and our daily routines here in this world, on earth, we make it as it is in heaven. And God's given us the ability to do that. You know, you can, you can go into a place and shift the environment just like that by being somebody who is positive and talking about the things of the Lord. And you can go into that same environment and be all down in the mouth, negative, and all of a sudden everybody in the room is negative. You have the power to shift the environment just by your spoken word. Are you hearing me this morning? And God wants us to change it and transform it to be like heaven. And joy is the serious business of heaven. Hallelujah. So we need to be a people that broadcast to the world the joy of the kingdom of God. A third century man was anticipating his death and he penned these last words to a friend. He said this, it's a bad world, an incredibly bad world, but I've discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They're despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I am now one of them. Hallelujah. And now he was going to death for his faith. Praise the Lord. The mark of faith which possessed the hearts of the early believers was an overwhelming, overriding joy that even in the face of persecution, they were filled with joy. And people wanted to be around them. People wanted to get a hold of what they had. People wanted to know their joy. Amen? And that's what God has given us today is the joy of the Lord. Now, joy has enemies. There are enemies of joy. Like I said earlier, you could take two people, two negative people, and put a room of 50 people, and here's what will happen. Those two negative people will find each other. It's true. They'll find each other, and they'll be off in the corner. Oh, did you see what happened today? Did you see what the government did today? Did you see this? And they'll just start... And the whole rest of the room is having a great time, and they're in the corner. Just old sourpuss, as my dad used to call it. And they'll find it. You know, and pastors can get like that too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was a member of the U.S. Supreme Court for 30 years, said this at one point in his life. He said that uh, he explained his career choice or his choice of career by saying, I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen that I knew had not looked and acted so much as underta like undertakers. 
You know, amen and amen. You know, what kind of religion does Babel see when they view the church? When they view this church? When they view you, the church? What do they see? Do they see people that are filled with joy? Do they see people who, uh, you know, just walk around under the same cloud of oppression that everybody else walks around under? You know, we've got an opportunity to shine right now because there's so much heaviness in society. You know, here they are talking again about, you know, lockdowns and all that kind of stuff as we're heading into Christmas. And, you know, we have the chance to be the people that shine. And we should be shining because guess what? We have the joy of the Lord. We can be in the trenches of our city, investing in it, giving to it, loving it, bringing joy to it. And make no mistake, the city is watching. They're watching to see what kind of faith we have. There's once a boy who was sent to spend the weekend with his grandfather on the farm, and, and uh, you know, he went to church with him on, on the Sunday, and after that he came out, and he's walking around the barnyard, and he's saying, looks at the chickens and he says to his grandpa, they ain't got it. And then he walks over and he sees the ponies frolicking in the field. He goes, they ain't got it. Sees a dog running around. He ain't got it. Then finally he sees an old donkey standing there in the barnyard. He said, oh, look, grandpa, he's got it. And he said, he's got what? He said, he's got the same religion you got. Enjoyed his trip to church, didn't he? <laughs> oh, my word. Why do so many people portray to the world a faith that is angry or miserable or, you know, negative or downcast? Because that is not the gospel. My favorite picture of Jesus is the one that a Canadian artist uh, commissioned by the United Church of Canada in 1950-something did of Jesus laughing. And it's been reproduced by many people over the years and copied and everything else. But it was a picture of Jesus, just head tilted back, just laughing. It's my favorite picture of Jesus. Whenever I am praying and I picture Jesus, that's how I picture him. I don't picture the Jesus with the staff knocking at the door of your heart, or I don't picture the halo around his head or any of that kind of stuff. I picture Jesus laughing because it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what I picture. Look it up on the internet. You can, you can find the image. You just type in laughing Jesus and it'll pop up. And like I said, the original sketch is the one that's in black and white, but it's been colorized and people have done lots with it. But it's my favorite image of Jesus is Jesus laughing. One writer said it this way. He said, men have pursued uh, joy in every avenue imaginable. Some have successfully found it while others have not. Perhaps it would be easier, he said, to describe where it cannot be found. And listen to these observations. He said, joy is not found in unbelief. Voltaire was an infidel most, uh, of the most pronounced type, and he wrote, I wish that I had never been born. I wish I'd never been born. Joy is not found in pleasure. Lord Byron lived a life of pleasure. If anyone did, he wrote, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. Pretty strong words, isn't it? Joy's not found in money. Jay Gould, the American millionaire, had plenty of that. And when dying, he said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on the earth. It's not found in position and fame. 
Lord Beaconsfield, he enjoyed more than his share, and he, he wrote, Youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, and old age a regret. And joy is not found in military glory either, because Alexander the Great conquered the whole known world, and then he sat down and wept, and he said, there's no more worlds to conquer. You see, so where is joy found? It's found in Christ alone. It's found in serving God and doing the will of God. That's where joy is found. Joshua chapter 24, verse 13 to 15. The Lord says, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities for which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, Joshua says, in my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, those words of Joshua, choose you this day who you will serve, apply to joy, choose this day. Choose joy. It's a choice that God's given you. Some people will say, well, yeah, but joy is a gift. I agree. I said, there, there's a gift from God of joy, but you have to still choose to accept the gift. Salvation's a gift, but you choose to say yes to such an incredible gift. God's given us that level of autonomy where we get to choose whether we're going to love him, serve him, live for him or not. You get to choose joy. You get to choose joy. Even though we're still, as C.S. Lewis said, walking in that valley of difficulty and struggle and all the rest of it, we still get to choose every day the joy of the Lord. The thing is, it's a choice, and choice is there as long as you exercise it. The last thing you want to give up is your choice and you get to choose joy. And other people can't box you in and take that choice away from you. No matter what they do, they can even imprison you for your faith, but they cannot take your joy. You can still choose joy. You can still choose joy. It's said that Ben Franklin concluded a stirring speech on the guarantees of the Constitution. And a heckler shouted out to him and said, ah, them words don't mean nothing at all. Where's all the happiness you say it guarantees us? Franklin smiled and he said, my friend, the Constitution only guarantees the American people the right to pursue happiness. You have to catch it yourself. Amen and amen. You have to catch it yourself. You got to chase that thing down and catch it. Don't let it get away. Amen. I confess that this next story, I don't know who this person is, but I like this, so I, I stole it. Catherine Marshall. I don't know who Catherine Marshall is, but she wrote about her friend Marge. I don't know who Marge is, but she said this. My friend Marge had an experience aboard a plane bound for Cleveland. Again, I don't know why she's going to Cleveland. Really? Yeah, I mean, Cleveland. Why not, I don't know, Spain or Italy, but she's on a flight bound for Cleveland waiting for takeoff. And as she settled into her seat, Marge noticed a strange phenomenon. On one side of the airplane, a sunset suffused the entire sky with glorious color. 
But out the window next to her seat, all Marge could see was a dark sky and uh, threatening with no sign of the sunset. As the plane's engines began to roar, a gentle voice spoke within her and said, You've noticed the windows. He murmured beneath the roar of the thrust to take off. He said, Your life, too, will contain some happy, beautiful times, but also some dark shadows. Here's a lesson I want to teach you to save you much heartache and allow you to abide in me with continual peace and joy. You see, it doesn't matter which window you look through. The plane is still going to Cleveland. So, it's, so it is with your life. You have a choice. You can dwell on the gloomy picture out the one window, or you can focus on the bright things out the other window. Uh, but I alone handle the journey, and I'm still going to get you where you need to go. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Thank you, Catherine, and thank you, Marge. Awesome. See, what that story is telling us is that we get to determine which view we're going to have. And you can easily, like Katrina said this morning, it's so easy to go, it must be nice. You can always look around and find somebody who you, in your mind, is better off than you. Always. Everybody say always. Always. Dennis Prager, in his book, Happiness is a Serious Problem, he calls that the missing pile syndrome. You know, so... Have you ever noticed if you're, if you're staying like at the Waldorf Astoria, like the most prominent, beautiful hotel in New York City, and if you're walking through the lobby, you'd notice all the marble and the polished floors and all the incredible opulence everywhere. But, you know, the one time you're standing at the desk and as you're standing around, you look around and you notice that in the ceiling, there's one tile is missing out of the ceiling. It's fallen down. Maintenance worker hasn't put it back up again. But you notice the missing tile, Right? Now, every time you walk through that foyer, the rest of your stay at the hotel, what do you notice? The missing tile. You miss all of the beauty and splendor all around you. All you see is the missing tile. Missing tile syndrome. You can all find something in your life that's the missing tile. And you can all find other people, the problem of comparison, that you think are better off than you. But the Bible doesn't say count the missing tiles. It says count your blessings. Take a look at all that I've done for you. Count that. Take a look at it and go, man, that's great. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So you get to choose where you're going to look. You're going to look at the missing tile or you're going to look at all the beauty around you. I could be financially destitute and I'd sit and look at my wonderful 12 grandchildren and life would be good. Amen? What's that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Number 12 came last Sunday. Hallelujah. Little McCoy, Mm-mm-mm. and he came in at, what was it, 9 pounds, 11 ounces, but are you ready for this? 25 and a half inches long. They didn't have a measuring tape long enough to measure him. They only had a 24-inch tape, couldn't measure him. Had to go get another tape and stretch it out for an extra inch and a half, you know. Hallelujah. Yeah, blessed, blessed beyond measure. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh, there's one for Sherry today. Praise God. (laughs) You know, is it any wonder then that on the first Christmas morning that the angels of the Lord appeared to the shepherds and they said, fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good tidings of great joy. Joy. Jesus is come. Hallelujah. Jesus is born. This day in the city of David, let the world rejoice. Jesus is here. 
You know, the pandemic, I realize, is, has been hard on everybody. And it's uh, been used by the enemy. Hear me this morning. It's been used by the enemy in some awful ways. And I don't mean just in the horrible pe- ways that people have, uh, you know, caught the virus and suffered from it and we've lost people, you know. Uh, I, I'm not talking about that, even though that is horrible and it's tragic. But it's in how it has weaseled its way into our world and caused people to turn on one another. I look at it, and it's, it's an awful thing. And I see people turning on one another. And, and, and I see people rejoicing in other people's suffering. And it goes both ways. And uh, I see people making comments about somebody who gets the virus and is suffering because they weren't, unvax- they were un- weren't vaccinated, I should say, and they're saying, see, it serves you right. But then I see... As soon as somebody has a negative reaction to the vaccine, other people jump on and say, see, serves you right. You went and got that vaccine, blah, 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 blah. It's horrible. And then I see it invade people in the body of Christ. We need to refuse to be part of it. It's not God. It's not him. It's not how he operates. We're, we're called to be people of love and joy. Yeah. Friday night went into Saturday morning, and uh, somebody had made some comments online that just were just, in my opinion, horrible. Uh, you know, and uh, got caught in that hole division thing in the body of Christ. And I just, I was so I bothered by it. Couldn't sleep two in the morning. I'm still sitting there. And, and Sherry and I were just sitting in bed, just, I couldn't sleep. And I'm, I've never written a poem in my life. I swear I've not. This, I, I'm not a poet. Okay? But in five minutes, God gave me a poem that I wrote, just sharing can tell you, it was five minutes, right there? I just punched it out with my phone. Maybe not even five minutes. And I believe that God gave me this as a word for the body of Christ. Like I said, please don't critique it. Uh, if you're an English teacher, have mercy on me. All right? <clears throat> um, uh, I just wrote as I, well, obviously, as I felt the Lord telling me, because, like I said, I've never really written a poem in my life that I can think of. But I had eight stanzas of this done in less than five minutes and just dropped it in my heart. And, I, and I'm going to read this to you today, and it's not, I don't mean this to be mean-spirited or anything. I, just the opposite. I want us to, I want you to hear, I want you to hear, as Barry would say, I want you to hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying, all right? I want you to grab a hold of this. I, I would figure probably our congregation's probably close to the normal national average of those vaccinated, unvaccinated, you know. Uh, 
And so here we sit. We have to, we have to love one another. Period. Period. And the joy of the Lord should be our portion and our strength. And this is what the Lord gave me. It's called, <clears throat> give me a second here. It's called, I Heard My Savior Cry Today. I heard my Savior cry today. His sobs echoed in my heart. His tears fell in torrents as the world he loved was torn apart. He came to lead us forward away from fear and hate. His love expressed on Calvary to heal our tortured state. But as he looked upon his bride, the one he drew deep inside, instead of love and hope and grace, fear was etched upon her face. Some of his bride feared the virus, others feared the rules. Both had left his presence and took up the place of fools. For we're here to bear witness to his grace, mercy, and love. We're meant to dispel darkness with hope from above. There is no room for hatred driven by doubt and fear. Love will cast it out of all who are brave enough to draw near. So bride, rise up and shout it from mountaintop and valley low. We will not submit to fear. Hate we will not sow. Love and grace will be our portion. With it we will break the sorrow that gripped our Savior's heart today, but hopefully not tomorrow. That's my prayer for this house and for our city. I've passed her through a lot of stuff. But usually the church is able to go, you know, whether it's politics or, you know, natural disasters or anything else, we're able to keep our head above water, not get weighted down with all the world's ideologies and arguments and Nonsense, And I don't know if it's because social media has given us a way to get sucked in that we didn't in the past or what. I don't know. But my heart, my heart was broken on Saturday morning, Friday night. And I believe it was just, I was just feeling what the Lord was feeling. Because he loves you whether you're vaccinated or not. He loves you. He loves you. He loves me. I, I have no, no enemies in this. I'm not here to pick sides. I'm not here to support anybody's argument for or against. I'm, I'm here to do my best to love everybody in the midst of it all. As are all of our staff, our leadership. That's what we're here for. And I refuse to get pulled into this whole thing. I just refuse to be part of it. And I invite you, we're going to post this up on the website. So if you're wanting to get it, we'll have it there. And um, you can share it with people on social media. That would be great because I think it's a message that needs to get out. And I believe it's truly how the Lord feels. If people start, just say, you know what? Bless you.
bless you. Tell them you love them, even when they're yelling at you. Don't, don't go down the road. That the, the enemy wants nothing more than to divide and conquer. The Bible says, blessed are we when the brethren dwell together in unity. He said it's like the dew in Mount Hermon or the, the honey dripping down Aaron's beard. It's a beautiful thing. Unity. Everybody say unity. unity. That's who we are. We are one body, one Lord, one Christ, one Savior, one baptism, one Lord overall. Don't go there. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength instead. Amen? Stand with me together this morning. lift your hands to the Lord this morning like this, as if your hands were a lightning rod that God could, could literally just hit with a bolt right now. Father, we lift our hands to you and we ask you, God, to zap every one of us with the joy of the Lord. We ask you, God, to, to, to Father, in such a way, come after our spirit about joy that, Lord, we recognize that the joy of the Lord is my strength, and we respond by saying, yes, Lord, thank you for the gift. I receive it today. I choose joy. And I refuse to go down any road that doesn't end up with the joy of the Lord. I refuse to let anybody cause me to uh, have any kind of hate in my heart toward any other brother or sister. I'm not going to grab a hold of that. I'm not going to take it. In Jesus' name, I take joy instead. So, Father, today, let the joy of the Lord be released in this place. Let the joy of the Lord, Father, be our strength. Let the joy of the Lord go forth in such a powerful way that, Father, no matter where we are, who we encounter, that, Father, they see the joy of the Lord in our countenance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Amen. You guys have an amazing week in the Lord. God bless you. We love you. And we are praying for God's joy to be released through you.